I mean, we were going to get to this. We might as well get to it here while we're talking about unintentional camp. Jared Leto is okay. <laughs> now we can talk about. Okay, I've been I have been fucking saving this. Notice how I have not brought up Jared Leto once, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the MacGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Keith Foster getting merry and jingle for the holidays. Oh, wow. Like, you just don't know how to do Christmas, do you? Uh, You are Cassidy Robinson. You are recording from an undisclosed location in the Rocky Mountains. And I am getting very merry. I am getting very jingle. Um, (laughs) We got all our Christmas decorations up. Yeah, I mean, that's about all you can do, right? I guess, yeah. I, I haven't bought any for my apartment. I thought about getting like a like a small tree, not like an actual like full-blown Christmas tree, but just like something, a, su- a suggestion of a, of a Christmas decoration. But today we are talking about House of Gucci. House of Gucci. We're, we're going to... We're going to talk about that one. We also have uh, Jack Reacher, which was the streaming homework that you gave last time. Yep. I do have a game plan for our segment. Ooh, I Um, hope it involves a a bell and some feathers. It doesn't. It's not that type of game, um, unfortunately. But uh, I was going to say that despite the, the Marys and the jingles that you're feeling, I do know that you are not feeling the eroticization of, of the Grinch, which in turn makes you kind of a Grinch. Okay. I never said I wasn't feeling it. I just said, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, like it is a thing specifically this year that people are super horny for the Grinch. And I don't <laughs> understand it. I, here's the, I don't care. It's fine. Yeah. I'm just saying that Jim Carrey movie did a number on an entire generation Apparently. of people that have now come of age. And they're like, you know what? What if what if that, but I could have sex with it? <laughs> so there's that that thick uh T H I C C thick Grinch yeah. picture. Yeah, there's a picture of a guy dressed as a Grinch bent over and he has a huge ass. Yeah, I, yeah. I saw like a sexy Grinch like twerking, making those cheeks clap. Uh-huh. Uh I saw like a pixelated, like sexy fuck me eyes Grinch. You apparently found Grinch porn very quickly. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you how quickly I looked it up because I was like, surely there is a Grinch porn parody. I'm sure you are not the only one who has looked it up since seeing those round, round Grinch hams. Right. I I just, you know, Googled Google image search Grinch porn parody. And not only was there one that I could send a picture to you. Um, quickly on Twitter, but there were many choices to go with. And I sent you the most safe at work version of it. I mean, first of all, send me links or don't bother sending. (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, I just, I don't get it. I I'm not sexually attracted to the Grinch. I'm, you know, I'm more into what's her name. The hot who bitch, the hot who bitch. I think that's her porn parody. 
<laughs> are you uh so you're not interested in how the Grinch gaped Christmas? <laughs> but, I, I mean, I am a little interested in how the Grinch gaped Christmas. Yeah, I don't know Just if that's by the literal. title alone. I'm like, how do you gape a holiday? But sure. <laughs> um the entire holiday. All I'm just saying the Grinch is not my thing. Right. Uh more more power to the people. Mm-hmm. Grinch is do you think Grinch and or other fictitious IP characters like that is a subcategory of furry? Or does that get into the weeds too much? I think it gets into the weeds a little bit, but let's break it down. Uh-huh. I feel like... Because there's already subcategories in the furry community. Sure. sure. There's furries, uh, there's scalies, there's the people who are aliens with weird alien junk that lays... Uh, gels and eggs into their partners. Oh, I don't know about that. Damn. Oh yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like the internet has had an awakening that I have not even had. Um, <laughs> so I feel like in the Grinch's case, yeah, I think it would count. It is. He is furry. I mean, he's furry. He's literally furry. Uh, yeah. I feel like if it's more of a who bill situation um that might delve more into the realm of cosplay right well i think we're already on the edge of cosplay especially if it's a a well-known ip like if you're not just a tiger but you're tony the tiger or yeah but i exactly i feel like that venn diagram has probably quite a bit of overlap well i'm sure one has led to the other like if somebody does like a sexy beast cosplay right from x-men is that furry or is that cosplay it's kind of both oh i already know that the after hours parties at the conventions are wild yeah yeah it's a thing like that makes like band camp tours look like nothing in comparison here's the thing here's the thing that populars didn't know yeah nerds are horny as fuck Uh uh-huh and once they find their group Everybody's going to fuck everybody. Yeah, for sure. Like they, they get freaky and they're already, or at least, you know, our generation was already kind of social pariahs. So who gives a fuck? Like they didn't have to worry. They didn't have to worry about their kinks being acceptable or not. Like Mm -hmm. they do not every spectrum on the sexual rainbow besides just straight cis hetero sexuality right has fun they get down right you might because, as well because no matter what your your boundaries are a little bit more open mm-hmm. how many people do you know who have talked about disney's robin hood right yeah he's fucking hot oh well yeah that that character in particular is like a furry icon Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like they, the way they personified these characters, like he was sexy. He was a sexy character. He had swagger. He had confidence. Like, you you know, the the way they draw their eyes, they try to make these characters look as human and as expressive as possible, but while still maintaining their, you know, some animal characteristics, it's no surprise that people want to fuck them. Like, This is not a furry podcast. <laughs> you know what? You keep saying this is not a lot of things. Just let it go. Just let it be what it's going to be, man. 
Um, the game. And we're technically talking about movies here. Technically, in the in the most technical sense, uh, the game that I had planned. We're, we watch House of Gucci, which stars Lady Gaga. Uh huh. Um, and it got me thinking about uh, other actors who started out as musicians. There's also, uh, uh, I mean, Jared Leto is also technically a musician in this movie. You said that weird. Jared Leto, who is also a musician, comma, is also in this movie. Yes. Yes. He does not play a musician in the movie. No, um, no. I, yeah, I guess. I, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, yes. Jared Leto had a very successful band for a little bit. And yeah, he yeah, is yeah. also in this movie. That is true. Um, however, uh, what I'm specifically looking for is people who started out as musicians or maybe still are yeah. and uh, got into acting that way. So in the case of Jared Leto, doesn't yeah, count because he, he was more or less an actor first. Yeah. Before 30 Seconds to Mars kicked off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not counting like Bruce Willis or fucking... Uh, Russell Crowe with their bar bands or Johnny Depp or whatever people who, you know, hobbyists uh, when it comes to musicians, but primarily are actors. The way you're besmirching Bruno and the man, but that's fine. Let's keep going with your premise. Um, Right. So I have a list here. I just kind of Googled a list of uh, musicians and I'm going to kind of pick and choose from it a little bit as I go down. But um, I have three categories. So remember these if you can or write them down. Okay. And at the top, uh, this means the best. We have the born naturals when it comes to acting. Okay. So the born naturals. The born the naturals, which is technically the best. means they could have been actors all along if they wanted to be, you know, the, the world is our oyster. And then... Uh, the second category, which is like the middle ground, some raw talent, which means we still probably they're, they're think of them there, more. But they could use some like a good director could get the good performance out of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've seen them in movies. We maybe enjoyed them in movies, but we don't primarily think of them as actors or maybe we do, but maybe they're not the best of what they do. And then the last is keep your day job. Okay, so I'm assigning. I, is that the game? I'm assigning. That's, yeah, I'm just gonna read some names. You tell me which category they fit into. Gotcha. Okay, and I'll, uh, you know, I may or may not just uh, agree with you. So top of the list here, JT Justin Timberlake. Is he a born natural? Does he have some raw talent? Should he keep his day job? Born natural. I think at this point, yeah. Especially when he found comedy, because when he first broke through, he was doing like Alpha Dog and he was in Black Snake Moan. He was doing a lot like these serious roles, which weren't bad. Exactly. Um, They might not have been the best projects, but he has always been one of those people that like he just has a fucking charisma. Right. And I just want to watch him. I think he's I've always liked him more as an actor than a musician. I just. I absolutely think born natural. Like he is, he's yeah, he's good. He's he's pretty good in movies. You can count on him to fill the role. Yeah, Will Smith. Uh, um, born natural. Yeah, I think of him more as an actor now than I do as a musician. Exactly. I I I almost think he's the opposite. Like born natural actor, some raw talent as a musician. Yeah, I mean he started out in rap. No, um, I know, but I'm just saying I think he was always a better actor. I think he was always just meant to kind of go down that road. Right. By the time you get to Will Ennium, 
it's like he had to remind people that he was a rapper. Exactly. And, and that, I mean, but I mean, those are some great pop hits too. I just, I think I've always thought of him as more of an actor. And I mean, he's iconic. He, you know, for sure. He has had some, uh, say what you will. He hasn't had a great last 10, 12 years, maybe longer, but, um, but you know, he had a pretty good run in the nineties. I think that's more project based than like, I don't think he's been churning out bad performances. Well, I mean, I haven't seen, I think there's a bit more to it than I I think. I mean, I don't want to like speculate too much on his personal life, but I think stuff's going on. Um, Uh, Sure. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, he might not be like uh, an awesome. Well, I don't know. He's, he's been up for stuff. I think Uh, maybe not. I want to say pursuit of happiness. Maybe. I don't, I know. don't know if he has the most range, but he kind of, he, again, just pure. Maybe charisma. Ali he was nominated for. He's always going to deliver something. I think at least solid. Yeah. I, I'd say born natural. Um, I'm skipping Gaga because we are talking about her later. Madonna. I haven't seen her in a whole lot and I haven't seen her in a whole lot for a long time. Yeah. She kind of quit acting. Yeah. Which is weird because I feel like she was like making that transition pretty successfully. mm -hmm. And then maybe, I don't know what happened. Maybe just Holly, she'd like fuck Hollywood. Maybe, which maybe she's too difficult to work with. I don't know. Yeah. That now you're just spreading rumors. Um, I'm not a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. We are now a T podcast. Uh, Okay. Okay. So we're not, we're not a cat podcast. We're not a furry podcast, but we're a spill the tea celeb gossip podcast about shit that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Great. Right. I, uh, I just wonder why Moai Madonna, I, you know what? She had one huge flop in the early 2000s, like right before the music album came out. Uh-huh. Um, it was that one. I don't even remember the name of it. Her and Rupert Everett where uh, he's gay, but for some reason they had sex and had a kid. And then it goes to goes to court and it becomes like a culture war thing. And uh, and uh, yeah, that movie did really terribly. Um, And then she I just hadn't seen her in anything since. Yeah, I don't know. I'm so I'm going to say for Madonna, I'm going to put her in the some raw talent category. Yeah, I'm going to put her at the higher end of that. Because I yeah, think she I was did. almost there. I mean, she, you know, Dick Tracy, League of Their Own, she's Evita. League of Their Own, yeah. She's she's terrific in a League of Their Own. She was, I think she had the ability to progress as an actor, but then she kind of cut herself off. I yeah, I feel like she might be borderline between Born Natural and Summer Talent. I, I feel like I just haven't seen her in enough to, to fully say. to fully qualify her. Yeah. Share. Oh, God, I don't. I'm going to say Born Natural. I don't know if I've ever seen Cher act. I don't know if I've ever seen any of her movies. You've never seen anything she was in? I don't know. You never saw Mask? Nope. You never saw Mermaids? Nope. You never saw, what was the one with Danny Aiello? Um, You never saw Moonstruck. She was, I think, was she was. People were nominated for Moonstruck and she be, she kind of like blew up um, as an actor. She was already big in the music world at that point, but that was 
um, a big role for her. I did see the witches of Eastwick, I think on TV a very, very, very long time ago. Yeah. But I think that's it. I just, I don't know. I don't think I, I can't say one way or the other. Yeah. I'm going to say born natural. I think she has a ton of charisma. Um, and it's always like her roles are always a share esque role. Like well, she doesn't, but I mean, you could say the same thing about Will Smith or Justin Timberlake. Like, right? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, she's she's not like doing a lot of different stuff, but I think what she does, she does very very well. She's funny. She can do dramatic. Um, she doesn't have to be glamorous in her movies as she is as a pop star. Uh, so I think she is born natural again. Another one where she's sort of like cut herself off from that and maybe maybe the music world the music industry is just different enough from hollywood that they kind of get a distaste for the hollywood system i mean i could believe it or or it might just be that they get too fucking busy you know like yeah they have a huge hit album and you're touring it's not like you can really film for six weeks for sure uh david bowie oh hmm i know my answer Again, I haven't seen him in a lot. I've seen him in more than I realized because I don't think of him as being in a lot of movies. But then when I go down the list, I'm like, oh, I've seen at least five. Again, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to look him up uh, just just to kind of refresh myself, because all I can think is Twin Peaks right now. Yeah, I didn't even remember that. Yes, he was in that. Um, He was also I mean, here's the thing. The man who fell to the man who fell to earth. He was in uh, Basquiat as uh, as um, w- uh, Warhol. He I'm, was. I'm gonna say a born natural. I mean Tesla he, in uh, Prestige. Yeah, I'm gonna say born natural. Like again, he's just such a consummate performer, mm-hmm. and he his whole persona was being a chameleon. Right? You know, he constantly sure. was reinventing himself, and I think that lends itself to acting. It does. Um, yeah, I'm going to say a born natural. I'm actually going to say on the higher end of raw talent, um, not because I think he's a bad actor when I see him in movies or that he doesn't always bring it. I think he he brings it for sure. But I think that whenever and maybe it's just the way that he was cast. But generally speaking, it was always a bit of a stunt cast when he was in something. I can see. Yeah, I get I see what you're saying. I'm yeah. still gonna say born. And I've never I don't think I've seen other than the man who fell to earth, which is such a weird movie. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything else where he carried the whole thing. I mean the labyrinth. Oh, yeah. I mean the fucking labyrinth. That is probably <laughs> but I mean, I mean that's a musical. I mean, again, it's like they're kind of like just be Bowie. That's in true. This. They are banking on his Bowie-ness. ability as a performer. But yeah, whereas he, like the Tesla performance is probably the most um and, and, and his Warhol performance in Basquiat. Both of those are the most like where you actually want you to be an actor. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like the labyrinth is just almost like is almost like the same as one of his album phases. Right. Yeah. I mean, it kind of was. I mean, yeah, he, like you know, there's not really much difference between Jareth and Aladdin Sane, you know? Right. Yeah, for sure. However, how do we feel about Tom Waits? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> uh, you're picking all, all the good ones. Yeah, these uh, are the heavy hitters. This is straight off of Google. 
again, I'm going to say this is a big list too. I'm going to say a born natural. Like he, I am I, too. He's again, he's just such a good performer, and mm-hmm. he 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 always kind of performs in character. Yes, exactly. Like as a musician, kind of, he's kind of acting as a musical artist. Yeah, I, I think someone like Tom Waits. And maybe someone like David Bowie a little bit too doesn't necessarily see the distinction between music and acting, right? He just Tom Waits just sees it as art, right? And he's just performing. He's just you know creating art, no matter what he's doing, like whether or not it's a, a album or a stage performance or you know this tiny little bit role in fucking Mystery Men. Right? He's going to bring the same level of craftsmanship to it. Right. I mean, he, uh, you know, his performance as Renfield in, in Coppola's Dracula is I, he, he outacts most of the people in that movie with the exception of, you know, um, Gary Oldman. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also I, he was one of, I think the more notable sections of, um, the ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah. He's great in that his stuff with, with Jarmusch, you know, uh, down, um, down by law, um, uh, the imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's I'm born natural. He's born natural. Actor. Yeah. I agree. Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Mm. I mean, I think at this point, especially if you talk to somebody younger than us, they probably don't even know that he had a music career. I mean, he's, but, de- he was definitely always been more of an actor to me than a than a musician but i don't know that he's the best actor (laughs) i'm gonna say some raw talent yeah i like marky mark in some things Uh uh-huh i don't think he's bad but i also uh he he has only occasionally i think kind of wowed me Uh, and and i think that was more just like the project was just kind of the right fit for him Right. Uh, like, like in the departed, he's fucking fantastic, but he, you know what I mean? It, it just fits him so well. Yeah. Loudmouth Bostonian. Yeah. But I, I don't yeah. think he's, <laughs> I don't think he's very adaptable. So I think he, um, I, I I'll say this about Marky, Marky Mark, about Mark Wahlberg. Um, I do think he is pretty good at transitioning from drama to comedy. Yeah. Um, he can do both pretty well. Uh, I think he's as good as his script. I think he's as good as his director. Yes, I, I agree with that. I think and that's a lot of actors, a lot of working actors. So I sure. actually put him on the lower end of Born Natural. Like he's bu- he's on, on the, the bubble end of, of raw talent. I do yeah, think he's, he's definitely on that bubble. But I mean, yeah. like one of the first things he was in was Boogie Nights. And like, I mean, he's fucking great in that movie. So I mean, yeah. That yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and maybe it's you know as he's gotten a little bit older, he phones it in a little bit more. Or- right, I, you know, as as a lot of people have or do, and they just end up in these kind of action schlock, and they don't really require much of them. Or or in the case of like you know the happening, he's working with what he's working with. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, could David Bowie have saved that? Yes, absolutely. Yes, but- he, yeah, I, somehow it would have worked. Um, I'm going to skip a couple here. What do you think about Ice Cube? Ice Cube. I hmm, Okay. Again, I, I have to think of some movies I've seen him. This is hard because it's like, mm. 
I'm going to say, I'm going to say some raw talent, mm-hmm. pre- pretty middle ground, some raw talent. He's done some, yeah. some, really I think good he's stuff. the definition of it. Yeah. Like he's whatever he's in, he's ice cube, whether it's he, Anaconda or it's, are we there yet? Or it's 21 jump street, you know, exactly. a wide like range how- of quality of film, but he he's just being ice cube. Yeah. And how well does ice cube fit in this project and something like Friday? Yeah. It, Perfect. Of course. Phenomenal. But you know, he couldn't do, he couldn't be Jareth, the goblin King. <laughs> that would be a different take. I want to oh. see that take. I want to see like. Labyrinth in the hood. Yeah. Well, well, I was going to say like the Wiz's version of, the labyrinth yeah i mean i think like a full like 90s like rap version would be pretty great somebody do that please dolly dolly parton hmm working nine to five yeah movie and a song yeah i mean she was she was huge in the 80s like she i I have in the 80s she was big in movies Big in in music, you know she was the queen. Sure, I, I I just have to think of some stuff you know that I've seen her in. Um, Nine to five, best little whorehouse in Texas. Um, I'm sure I've seen a couple other things. I'm gonna say, I, I for her, I'm gonna say on some raw talent. Yeah. Uh, maybe on the lower end, even I, I think she's great with music as an actor. I think, I think she's probably got to work a little bit harder than someone like Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, I love, I love me some Dolly Parton, but well, I don't know if it worked. I again, she's it's sort of like the ice cube thing. Like you're when you're getting Dolly Parton, you're you're paying for Dolly Parton. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I think you're she not- actually I don't think she struggles to like convincingly uh sell a line or something like that. But I do no. think that it's you know, she kind of has to fit the project. Yes, yeah. I and I think that's and, or, kind of- or at the very least, she's never been challenged to do otherwise. I think that's kind of where the distinction comes from, right? Is yeah. Can this person act? Can they be a character kind of other than their persona? Or mm-hmm. are they sort of pigeonholed? And, you know, it might not be entirely their fault, but you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get Dolly Parton to be in House of Gucci. Well, I mean, that would have that would have been something. <laughs> Let's uh, put a pin in that. Uh, Queen Latifah. I think... Uh... I think she's kind of same as Ice Cube in that, like, well, I don't know. Uh, again, you're throwing people at me, and then I have to like think of stuff they've been in. Right. Um, she was in like Set It Off was her big movie in the '90s. Um, she was also in a few TV series. I want to say at that time, like kind of like black television stuff, like sitcoms. Um, you know, what was the one she did with with uh, with Steve Martin? Um, Something of the house, or I forget. Um, I mean, I'm just gonna drop this here. I think even though she's been a lot of stuff, keep your day job. I've never seen a Queen Latifah performance where I didn't feel her 
where I didn't see her hitting the ceiling of her abilities with not much being asked. I'm sorry. She's good in Chicago, but that was very music focused. And even then, I'm like, oh, that's Queen Latifah. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the lower end of some Ross Allen. Yeah. I mean, I would say she's like, if you're putting together like an indie film project and you got to fill somebody for that, like, uh, age type or whatever, and the best you can get is Queen Latifah, you could do much worse. But I think in the overall grand spectrum of musicians turned actors, I'd say she's on the lower scale of that. I mean, for sure. It's, I, I, especially of the, you know, some of the people you've listed so far, she's not yeah. Will Smith. She's not, you know what I mean? Like she's right. not going to, I think yeah. she, I, she has a kind of, I don't know. Like, I feel like even though she, she exudes confidence sort of in just her physicality, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel that same confidence from her as an actress. I, I get that. I think that makes sense. She's been in a lot of stuff though. Holy oh shit. yeah. And maybe I haven't seen like the best shit, you know, like if somebody can recommend me like, you know, the best Queen Latifah performance that I'm clearly, you know, speaking out of turn, then ask us to look at it or, you know, point me in that direction because I'd be interested. But everything I've seen, I was, I was always kind of like, mm, OK, I mean, the when you mentioned Queen Latifah, I immediately thought of Chicago. But again, that is was basically just for one musical number. Right. So, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think I can probably kind of agree with you there okay i'm gonna find one more and we'll call the call this uh call this a wrap on this game okay ludicrous yeah (laughs) i mean here's the thing luda he's fun but Uh he's all right in the fast and furious movies but it is lit you know it is just like to sit back and he is the um the greek chorus right like he is he is the audience going, oh, damn, that was a crazy car crash. Right. So, you know what? I'm going to say there's a little bit of raw talent. Yeah, I would say that, too. I don't think I, I enjoy when he's on screen. Uh, exactly, he also had, exactly. But is he, he also had a small part in uh, uh, the movie Crash, the 2005 Oscar winning crash. Um, and say what you will about the movie. I think the the stuff with him in it is some of the better of that movie um, because of his natural charisma and comedy skills. Exactly. Um, I, I don't know if he's like really being, I don't, I mean, I I I also don't know that that he's necessarily like reached for that kind of like next level thing. I think he kind of is like, it seems like he gets into a project kind of in his comfort zone, right? Like, like Adam Sandler isn't going to do, he doesn't do a lot of uncut gems style movies. Right. He doesn't necessarily have to. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, he pretty much gets to just make his own career as he wants it. And Ludacris, you know, for the most part is being a musician first and foremost, and that's what he's interested in. That's what he does. I'm trying to see if there was anything he might've been in that stands out or that I'm not thinking of. Um, but it, it is all the stuff I pretty much knew he did. 
Yeah, you know, I'd say he's he's not Will Smith. Um, he's not even Jamie Foxx, but he's again like there. There's something there you can use for sure. Yeah, and and if you need a ludicrous type, like you know, yeah, who to ask? I think he's. I think he has good comedic instincts and good comedic timing. Um, sure. I think totally that's yes, largely what he brings to to a role. And I think that he can he can be kind of threatening in like a generic sort of way, but but yeah, I I, I think he's uh I'd put him in the lower end of raw talent. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that was that, and that'll get us right into our discussion of House of Gucci. And I'm going to have you describe what is House of Gucci. So House of Gucci is the the family epic of Patrizia Reggiani and her romance with Maurizio Gucci. Mm-hmm. Um, she, Patrizia is played by Lady Gaga, Maurizio played by Adam Driver. They meet when he's, you know, young and in college. They meet at a party. She immediately recognizes the name because it's Gucci. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, she she's... Like, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to make my moves. I'm going to, I'm going to seek this guy out. Uh, So she, you know, kind of follows him a little bit, sets up this meeting, you know, kind of, she kind of forces a a meet cute and woos him over and they fall in love and, uh, uh, you know, an epic romance and they live happily ever after, except they don't. (laughs) Um, Jeremy Irons uh, plays Rodolfo Gucci, um, Maurizio's father, and he meets Patrizia and, you know, he gets like, oh, okay, she's after you for your money. Like, she knows your name is Gucci, so I I don't want anything to do with you if you're going to date her. Like, I, he doesn't want her to sort of, he, he doesn't want her to be a gold digger, to, to you know, right. abuse her son. Uh, in that way, just for his name and for his money. So uh, there is a risk. To be fair, though, to be fair on that point, I don't. I it, I don't think that the that that character, the way that he's written and the way that Jeremy Irons portrays him, is is you know comes to those conclusions purely in altruistic fashion. I think no, he, no. Uh, I, I, I think he's I mean, just kind of a getting... snob and knows that she doesn't come from wealth. And there's a little bit of like, she's not good enough for us. Yeah. I mean, there is definitely a classist aspect to it. Um, yeah. And, and we can get into that a little bit more, um, you know, when we get into the, the full movie. Yeah. 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 Aldo played by Al Pacino, mm. uh, Rudolfo's brother, Maurizio's uncle. Aldo is 50% owner of, you know, the name Gucci, the, the stores, the, the goods, the company. Yeah. Um, he finds out that they got married. Um, nobody from the Gucci side was there at the wedding. And so he reaches out, he tries to kind of bring Maurizio into the fold because Maurizio went to college. He's a little bit smarter, uh, and a little bit more talented than his own son. Paolo. Played by Jared Leto, Paolo Gucci. Yeah. Who is 
kind of a bumbling idiot, kind of just a giant joke, a big fail son mm-hmm. who, you know, just doesn't get fashion, just who wants to be a part of things, but just doesn't know how just isn't, even though he was born into this world, he's just not a, a part of it. Right. Um. So, you know, we've got all of these family dynamics going on. Uh, Patricia being an outsider starts to see where Maurizio can move up in the, in the name and in the company and, you know, pushes him to to become a bigger part of it, to become, uh, to work with uh, Aldo, to, you know, mend things with his father, to try and get, you know, his shares of the company back, to get his inheritance. So, you know, she starts making these moves, these, like, calculating company moves, or or not even company moves, but just these calculating moves to elevate their status. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the company, within the family line. Right. And, and up to that you know, point, it, it seemed like Maurizio was not necessarily that interested in that part of his family line. He didn't want to get into, you know, slinging leather merch. He, want, he wanted to go into being in the law and be a yeah, lawyer. Yeah, and law school. He, you kind of get the feeling it. like he's sort of embarrassed by the Gucci brand earlier on. Yeah. And I think he also, you know, kind of wanted to make his own name and uh, make his own place in the world. And, and, you know, then, then things happen. Yeah. There's a, there starts to be uh, I mean, it's a classic rise and fall story. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And and I mean, that's definitely how it's kind of arced. That's how they sort of scripted this out. Um, I, you know, this is directed by Ridley Scott but I feel like he was definitely studying under the tutelage of Coppola, specifically the first few Godfather films. Um, and there is a lot of that kind of structure to this movie a little bit, not just because it's in Italy, not just because we're dealing with, you know, these sort of um, uh, Shakespearean well, uh, family it, and- dynamics, but that stuff, it definitely evokes. It also the way the way the movie plays out it, mm-hmm. it plays out like a crime movie and mm, yes and no it, well i i'm going to say kind of yes like i think it 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 treats it like a crime movie because like you said it's this rise and fall arc mm. and the way the characters are kind of punished the way they they kind of play each other against each other uh you know like people go to jail and people uh you know and it's all kind of gets immersed in this legal battle that you know plays out very similar to like a a gangster movie typically yeah 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 i mean there's there are like these machinations that come to fruition especially as patricia starts to see these kind of cracks and divides in the family that she can wedge herself into play people against each other exactly that type of thing you know it's it's got that you know these kind of operatic elements of you know, the way family members are being played, but then it's also, you know, it's got this Sicilian kind of crime thing, you know, where mm-hmm. uh, palatial estates are being raided by the police yeah, and things like that. So they're definitely drawing from that as influence. I don't think that is. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, the only reason why I said yes and no, I think that the movie 
is aiming for that. I think that it, uh, uh, like I said, it's, it is, it's, it's Ridley Scott doing a Coppola impression. Yeah. Um, It's, it's kind of like somewhere between crime story and, and biopic. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think that, you know, the first half of the film and this is, this is a long one. This two, two, two and a half plus hours. Yeah. And the first half of the film is really, you know, when just them meeting and, you know, there's a bit of a, there's a, she has her own character arc within the story. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think she is Patricia uh, played by Lady Gaga is the same character at the end of the film as she was at the beginning. And I think even though she sees the Gucci brand and the Gucci name as a way of, as a means of like working her way out of, you know, a lower class mm-hmm. in Italy. Um, uh, I don't think she, you know, is necessarily doing that just purely for, for financial gain. Yes. <laughs> I mean, she is, but I, I do think she, she also uh, loves the Adam driver character. I yeah. think the, the relationship is genuine and no, I, I agree. I don't think she's just a gold digger. I don't think she's yeah. what Jeremy Irons writes her off to be. I do think, right. I do think that is there. Like she's definitely, uh, she, she's definitely an opportunist, but she I don't that, think she has that within her. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing of, and you know, the movie quite literally spells it out where, um, like I said, Adam Driver's character is a little embarrassed to be part of the family. He sort of sees it as, you know, not honest work. Um, and he wants to be kind of more of a serious lawyer. And mm-hmm. he takes her to his first family thing. And she's kind of gets drunk on this whole like Gucci celebrity thing. And I mean, who wouldn't? For sure. Especially if you're a, an Italian woman at that time. Well, and especially if you, you know, like married into this family and yeah. have have had zero like exposure to it, have had. Right. I mean, even when she was benefits. Right. Even when she was dating and marrying um, uh, Mauricio, he was already kicked out of his house. So they were living with her dad and he was working with her dad. So yeah. he, she never really got to, like, enjoy the spoils of of all that until later on. So she first kind of gets introduced to this world. And sees stars in her eyes, and he sees that and says, you know, eh, you don't really want to get involved because, you know, he makes this cake analogy of like eating a little and you eat more and more and more. And of course, that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you know, it, it fundamentally changes her. You know, it goes from well, ambition and and, uh, you know, and sort of an, an an artistic drive. I think she really did want to see the company be its best or whatever. And, and I'm saying this according to the movie. I don't know about the real people. Yes. Yeah. The, I, I don't either. The I movie is, I knew, is taking liberties. I knew nothing about this story before mm. going into it. So, yeah, all I can speak is what what is portrayed in the movie. Yeah. And I, and, and what is portrayed through Gaga's performance, who is definitely has more of a sympathetic view toward her character than even the audience is supposed to have. Sure. Um, uh, but I, you know, I also think, I also think, you know, Adam driver's character goes through these same changes. He, yeah, we, we kind of, we kind of see him 
start to become a much shrewder businessman towards the end of the film as well. And, and you know, it, at the beginning, he's only concerned about his family, specifically his family with Patrizia mm-hmm. and, you know, his life that he's creating on his own. And, you know, and slowly and slowly he gets involved in the Gucci name and in, in the Gucci lifestyle in the exact same way. Right. So there's this kind of long arc that uh, that these characters follow. And I think the movie suffers quite a lot um, by the length of that arc. I think the movie is way too long. Um, sure. I, I, I mean, yes, I also agree with you. I also think the movie has... I don't think the movie just struggles in the length. I think the movie also struggles a little bit in the way that it transitions from one phase to another. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think I see a lot of structural issues with the movie in general that, that is manifested in the length because you can make a two and a half hour movie. Those Godfather movies are not short. Um, You know, you compare this to, say Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street, which is also mm-hmm. not a short film. That movie's, I think, even closer to three hours, but that movie zips and it moves and you know well, exactly and, and- where you are at any given time. And, you know, the character choices never seem abrupt or out of nowhere. I, I, and also that movie, the length is a fundamental part of it because yeah, that movie is meant to feel like the party that never stops. And it right, is yeah. like that movie is a, you know, whereas this, this movie kind of sits on a slow simmer the whole time. Uh-huh. And I think that's the wrong tone and the wrong approach to the subject matter. Um, I think, you know, that, that kind of icy austerity that, that uh, uh, Ridley Scott brings to everything isn't necessarily what this story needed. You know, I think he's a great visualist. And I think he's a great stylist. And I think that, you know, I mean, if you look at the majority of his movies, they're always hanging out at a pretty long. He likes to tell stories a certain way. Uh, and I and I think that this story just needed to move more. And I feel like they tried to kind of um, they tried to kind of make up for that a little bit in editing, whether, you know, drop some, you know, some needle drops and stuff and, you know, kind of bring a Scorsese-ish flair to it. But it, even then, like, e- is, as even as things are like, well, you know, the gears are starting to turn a little bit from like theme to theme or from scene to scene. It's just like, then we get another like 10 minute sequence of just people in rooms kind of talking and not very great Italian accents. And I, I, I mean, <laughs> well, yes, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. I, I think part of the problem, this movie isn't really interested in what the story is, right? This movie is a lot more interested in justifying Patrizia and Maurizio it's yeah. it's way more interested in their love story and their romance mm-hmm. than the eventual the actual pat- historical event. Yeah, yeah. Then the and actual- I guess the the uh, the thought behind that is, well, everyone knows this historical event, so everyone knows how it ends. 
you know, I think they, I, I think well, they take that I for mean, granted a little thing. bit because I think if you're not like really in the know of like the fashion world, I don't know if you know that because I didn't I know. I absolutely it. did not know this. I, 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 I was... kind of vaguely remember like after the fact, like after I saw them, after I watched the movie, being like, yeah, yeah, I kind of remember in the '90s there was probably some like some like you know uh, sleazy um tabloid rack with her face on it or whatever but i, I had no i had no idea i i knew about versace right for uh, uh, yeah uh <laughs> but i yeah no idea about gucci but but also the movie never feels like it's boiling to this thing it, well it, there's three there's three different things you could do with the story that they they do they do do but mm. um it's not at the right proportions. So there's the love story aspect of it, which has its own arc. Yes. Which um, I think they do very well. I think that that's is... probably the strongest arc of the film, but it's it's too stretched out for what it is. And, um, and it's again, it's not what the ultimate story is. Right. There's the crime story element, which is the, you know, the backstabbing and the and the operatic and the, you know, mm. all the family drama and and the, you know, the conclusion. And then there is the backdrop of like the fashion world and what was happening during those decades. And I think actually well, and- that's the dial that needed to be turned up more. Yes. This movie had almost no interest in that. No, I mean you see the you see the costumes, you see the the purses and stuff, and every once in a while he'll bring in this stylistic flourish of like shooting a certain scene or shooting a certain thing in black and white to look like a Vogue cover, and a little bit of that was nice. I think we could have maybe used a bit more of that flourish, and I just this movie just for what it is, which is you know this kind of big campy ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have as much fun with that as it should. Yeah. Yeah. I well, And I think part of it is, I think you're right in the fact that this movie felt like, it felt like they knew that the ending was a foregone conclusion, which yeah. I did not know. And I don't think serves the movie well. Because, yeah, I, I, I was invested in these characters. I, I think, uh, I think Gaga is great in this. I think Adam Driver's great in this. Their accents are a little suspect. Um, <laughs> I think Lady Gaga is is the best thing in the movie. I think she damn near carries the whole thing, but she's leaving a trail behind her. Like it's not a it's not a uh, you know it's not a clean carry. She's definitely like dropping some stuff on the way. I think she's definitely I guess guess I'm not sure what what you mean by that. I think she is. What I mean is that she is the best thing in the movie. She's she's energetic and magnetic and she's everything that the movie is trying to be Mm -hmm. Um, every time she's on screen, which is most of the time. But uh, the movie's so big and so unwieldy and kind of boring that even as good as she is, it's she doesn't elevate the entire project with her. I think she gives pretty good Golden Globe winning performance in a kind of big slog bit of a mess. And I actually I, don't think Adam Driver is that great in this movie. I think he's I think he's good enough. He's giving mm. exactly 
the bare minimum of what that role requires, but I I've seen him do better in others. And I, I don't, I don't feel like, I mean, yes, this isn't, this isn't marriage story. I'm, I'm going to quibble with you a little bit. I do agree with you that, that this movie is long and a lot of it is unnecessary, but I never found it boring. I was always really pretty entertained by it. And there was a good 30 minute stretch in the middle where I was kind of, I mean, I was like, let's wrap this baby up. Like I was, I was kind of like feeling the length. And then, and then when the third act kicks in the gear and we start getting into like, you know, how crazy this is all going to get, then I was like, Oh, okay. Well, this should have happened a half an hour earlier. I do think there is a certain uh, unintentional camp of this movie uh, right. that I was having a lot of fun with. I and- do too, but I think, I think, and this is where I think like in editing, they tried to sort of um, pull that out a little bit more and make that a little bit more of a selling point. Um, you know, I, uh, I mean, we were going to get to this, we might as well get to it here while we're talking about unintentional camp. Jared Leto is. Okay. <laughs> now we can talk about, Okay. I've been I have been fucking saving this. Notice how I have not brought up Jared Leto once listeners. Yes. So Jared Leto. Paulo. So this might possibly be my favorite Jared Leto performance. And the reason why uh-huh. is not a good performance. No. It is because he has absolutely no idea that the joke is on him. I think he is for what the character is in the movie. He is this big, annoying piece of shit idiot. And to get Jared Leto to play that is absolutely brilliant. But to not tell him to not not say to not be ironic about it. Like I'm I'm it was just like Jared Leto, do whatever the fuck you want. Be the biggest Italian stereotype you can think of. Yeah. Just do whatever. Go be, I'll, I'll pull you back. Right. And to let him just be this obnoxious idiot. And it's again, it's not because Jared Leto is a good actor. The joke is fucking on Jared Leto. And there is this scene that made me so happy where Jeremy Irons just like tears him apart. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this wasn't acting. You're just describing Jared Leto. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> okay, so you got some like Jared Leto sh- Schadenfreude. Oh my movie. god, he's so bad. He's so bad, but it works for the character. It works for the character. I'll say this about the I, he isn't good. It's he's n- bad. Um, it is a ridiculously overacted over conceived character um in a ton of weird makeup uh he looks like gallagher dressed as willy wonka uh he's he kind of sounds a little bit like vanosh from ghostbusters 2 with mario 64 yes i i was Um, definitely getting the mario now that you mentioned ghostbusters (laughs) i I get that too but he's like everything he said yeah. He's everything he said. It's an Italian stereotype. He's right. not Italian. It's what someone who has heard an Italian. Yeah, I mean, it, it borders on like 
Italian phobia. <laughs> like how yes, bad. it's like, it's, he, it's like he, an, he puts on Italian face. It's it's like an Italian minstrel show. It is yeah, incredible. Um, it is which, a performance. It is like I think Razzie. Oh level, yeah, but, for sure. But because the movie. Otherwise, with the exception of Lady Gaga, who I think actually like gets what it is and is doing her best. Yeah. Um, because everyone else kind of feels asleep in this movie. I enjoyed when he was on screen because at least he was making me laugh. I no, I agree. I agree with that sentiment entirely. I but again, I don't think he realized the jokes on him. The joke is on. Jared I don't Leto know or necessarily care. Um I, I and I think that a lot of people who are talking about like, oh, this is like a camp classic. This is fucking showgirls, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not. It's not that fun. It's really long. It's mostly boring. Um, but no, it, I, but I, I think they are zeroing that. in on that performance and maybe a little bit of Gaga who's doing camp on purpose because she actually understands it. Yes. yes. Um, I, I no, I wouldn't say this is like showgirls. So bad. It's good. Classic. But I. There are elements of that. And, and I don't Not think enough. Jared Leto is the only one, but he is the biggest one. He, I mean, he is the, he, yes. Um, so I, even though he's terrible in, in this movie. Oh my God. If he won, if he gets a best supporting actor nod, I would fucking die. In a good way or a bad way? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because here's the thing. And this is what drives me nuts about Jared Leto as an actor. It's one of those performances that is so bad he could get nominated for it. Well, every performance he does demands attention, whether whether the movie supports that or not. He is going. He is that actor that literally like the director needs to go, Okay, tone it down, like which normally you kind of want in an actor. Right. Because you you want them to give you something to work with. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and he I mean, he gives you something. I'll, I'll give him that. Every role he does demands attention, even if it shouldn't. Right. So something like Blade Runner 2049 or uh, that one with Denzel Washington. Right? right. He could be a little more subdued. He could be a little more like whatever. He He doesn't fit into those projects in something like this. It is like, again, it's it's perfect casting because he's not a good actor, but you're getting him to play an idiot buffoon. And so let's get an idiot buffoon to play that. Love it. Uh, I think he understands his act, the choices a little bit more than you do. I don't think he thinks that he's an honorable character. No, I don't but either. There's no way you I, read that script and come away with it thinking that that's what that character is. But his choices are so big that it's it's not just about the character. It's about his performance. No, yeah, I felt a lot of different which ways. Which is what you get from Jared Leto mm-hmm. and why it works for this character and this character only. Right. So I was trying to sort of unpack that and I was trying to sort of figure out what he was doing there. And I was having sort of these sort of conversations in my head while I was on my way home. And then I looked up online, like the, the actual people that this movie is based on sure. to kind of get an idea of just like what they were really like or how good was the casting and blah, blah, blah. And then I get to that guy, Paolo. Mm-hmm. He's nothing like that. He's actually <laughs> just like a really normal, regular guy. <laughs> 
Like he's just a, an Italian businessman. He does not. He doesn't dress like that. He doesn't have that haircut. He doesn't talk like that. That is in hundred percent. I built from the ground up performance out of thin air. Even better. I know because it's just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like after I saw the real guy, who's like just a regular bald Italian guy. <laughs> like I was like, you mean is- he's not, he didn't see a Mario. He didn't play Mario and say, that is going to be my life. <laughs> that is what I want to be. Right. Like it is ridiculous. Okay. So there's that. Um, I, I loved it, but I hated it so much. It was, it was a weird paradox of, of course, this is Jared Leto, but yeah, yeah. yeah. but it works for the movie. It helps the movie. It helps the movie because I feel like there's uh, so much of this just feels like it's kind of coasting on style or it's coasting on, uh, you know, like I said, Lady Gaga trying to carry the whole goddamn thing on her back. Um, even great actors in this movie, like uh, like Jeremy Irons and and uh, Sama Hayek and, you know, uh, Al Pacino, who's he's OK. I, he's better when he's with Jared Leto. Um, I actually uh, I actually liked Al Pacino in this. I think it's kind of the most restrained we've seen him in a while. It's it's yeah, the furthest I mean, yeah. from self parody. We've seen, like I, I think Al Pacino is churning in a solid performance. It's a he, solid doing, performance. It feels a little tired. I, it, I, I it, it maybe feels a little tired, but it it feels like he's at least doing the work. It, it doesn't. There was a. He's also the only actual. Well, I mean, I guess Lady Gaga is Italian American, but um, but, but it, like for the most part, also, he's the only actual Italian in in the in, in the whole film. Well, Jeremy Irons as a as Gucci was pretty funny because he's so British, right? Um, yeah, but that that's exactly what I'm saying. When there's some element of camp to this movie, right? You right, get, because it's bad Italian accents. The motion picture. It's not just that. I mean, yes, there is that, but it's also, I don't know. I found this movie to be very engaging in a lot of different ways. Not all of them were good. And I do agree with you that it it is, it is definitely a half hour, if not 45 minutes too long. Yeah. But I had a lot of fun with this movie. I, I think even, even within what they shot, you could cut a tighter absolutely sure. film you could yeah. you could make this move a little better in the editing um they just don't i don't know why because i guess length equals importance when it comes to these kind of things nowadays well, i mean just the new standard is at least two hours if you're not right you know it it's between two to two and a half hours that's just the new normal like the 90 minute right. picture is dead well, that I know, but I, I think even for this movie, if they could cut off that 37 minutes. Um, yes, I you, agree with you. You might have had something that just moved a little bit more. That was a little bit more engaging. I don't know if they necessarily would have gotten all the story elements they were trying to get in simultaneously, but they weren't really doing a great job of that. Anyways, I think this is kind of a C minus movie. It's um, it's watchable, kind of a one time watch type of thing. Definitely watch it. For the Gaga performance, because I think she's a star. I think between this and the star is born, um, she is 
Yeah, she's she a born natural. She's, she's a born so natural. Good. She if she wants to get into acting in a big way, she can, and I suspect will. But I, I agree. other than that, as a footnote to her career, I don't really see the movie as much of anything else. I I think I I'm a little more apologetic of this movie. I ha- I had a lot of fun with it. I'm gonna say it's a solid B. Um, again, not always for the right reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Gaga's great. I thought Adam Driver was really good. Um, I I think you know. As the case is with Adam Driver, a lot of this movie uh, works or doesn't work based off of their relationship. And I I think he's just so good at being that guy that is earnest and... um, He gives an emotionally honest performance. Yes. Um, And I think that that's what you can expect out of Adam Driver. I, I just felt like, you know, he's so busy. He's doing like nine projects at a time. He... He seemed a little distracted in this. Like he didn't seem like he was bringing it. Like what I didn't, I didn't feel a lot of impact from this performance. I I disagree. I I think he's definitely more subdued, and uh, I I think he turns in a solid performance. But the thing, the things that are sort of orbiting him uh-huh. are so so much bigger and more bombastic that yeah. I think you need him to do a more grounded uh, uh, performance to kind of be that anchor. And that's sort of what his character is through the whole thing anyway. So for me, it works. Uh, I think him and Gaga have incredible chemistry together. I thought their their romance was the Mm -hmm. stuff that worked the most. So when this movie kind of pivots away from that and into the realm of crime drama, that's when I was starting to get lost. That's when I was like, oh, this this doesn't feel as natural. Like, right. Like, why would your character be upset at her for like playing all these power moves, but then you're still going to play them? But I right. think that that's was when it's trying to kind of get into the like the larger sort of implications of greed and f- flying too close to the sun and like sure. this family but- curse kind of thing. Like. I mean, I, I get it, but that's where I was starting to run into some serious script issues. It's it's yeah, it's about halfway through the second act. And it it just it feels like this lurch in what we're already seeing. Like, I feel like the first act really works at, it, for like all the, ro- you know, all the romantic uh, kind of biopic stuff into this world of genre that it's like, what is happening? And that's mm-hmm. I think when a lot of the movie starts to have problems. Uh, so for me, I'm I'm going to give it a B, maybe a B minus, um, but I had a lot of fun with it. I I was thoroughly entertained. So, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I was less entertained, but I thought that there were, there are things about it that are good. All right. And there are things about it that are bad. Yes. I mean, um, I, I definitely agree with you. I just, that didn't, outweigh what i was enjoying i guess all right uh let's go ahead then and start talking about jack reacher jack reacher uh which came out in 2012 this is the only the second full-length feature by christopher mccrory after way of the gun which surprised me wait actually as director yeah 
Uh, oh. Way the Gun came out like way early 2000s or like, maybe even the late 90s. So this and, was like, oh, damn. So this yeah. was like before his Mission Impossibles and stuff. For sure. Um, okay. And in uh, and, and a lot of ways, I kind of see this movie as like his his job interview to do those Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, um, sure. So Jack Reacher is a character, the lead character who's played by Tom Cruise. And what we see at the beginning of the film is a sharpshooter of some type, uh, ex-military, um, who uh, picks a spot in a public setting and just starts um, picking off people, uh, pedestrians, on you know this busy block, this busy avenue where people are walking and families and whatever. And it's uh, kind of a hardcore scene to start a movie with, especially one that I think is PG-13. Yeah, this is a PG-13 movie that opens with like, you know. A, a mass shooting. A mass shooting, yeah. yeah. Which maybe I, s- says everything we need to know about American culture. It's actually kind of, yeah, it's very wild to me. This is PG-13. I had no idea. Yeah. There's um, also, yeah, some other stuff that I'm a little... It'll come up. It'll come up. So what ends up happening is that they they catch this guy, um, and he be, uh, get in the process of arrest gets uh, hospitalized, and he's he only leaves one note or message. So Richard Jenkins plays the district of attorney, and David Aiello works underneath him, um, and Rosamund Pike plays a defender who is going to be defending this mass shooter and uh, the mass shooter leaves a note for them saying, you know, let, I need to speak with Jack Reacher, give me Jack Reacher, something to that effect, which um, he didn't need to do because Jack Reacher was already on it. He gets there (laughs) and um, hell yeah, he was. Yeah. He knew before everyone else does, um, which is the Jack Reacher way. And (laughs) um, he, he gets to the site of the crime and uh, meets uh, you know all the key players. Meets Rosamund Pike. Uh, meets Richard Jenkins, and he kind of figures out early on that there might be more to this seemingly random act of violence than we're led to believe at the beginning of the film, based upon some evidence that he's collected along the way. He, him, and Rosamund Pike kind of work in tandem. You know, her whole job is to defend, you know, disgusting people. And so he not he, always, sometimes they're innocent. Right. And everyone is, you know, uh, is entitled to a defense. Uh, and that's how she views her job. So he says, well, why don't you go interview the people who uh, knew the victims, you know, and she thinks it's kind of this like spiritual journey she's supposed to be on until she learns pretty early on in these interviews that she's stumbling into the same conflicting evidence that he is. And he sort of ropes her into this grander conspiracy um, of who this guy was. You know, this was he just ex-military who went AWOL, you know, postal, or might have there been a second gunman or somebody uh, puppeteering the the uh, the whole event. And we go deeper and deeper into that rabbit hole. And Jack Reacher um, you know, puts himself and everybody else uh, in uh, greater danger as he learns more about this, but never in so much danger that he is not entirely capable of capable of dealing with it because Jack Reacher is the most capable action <laughs> character 
ever written for the screen. <laughs> and um, you may or may not think that that's uh, to the detriment of the film. What did you think of Jack Reacher? So this is a movie for guys who like movies. Sure is. Uh, this is a dude's rule kind of movie. It is. It is. And I, I mean, I definitely enjoyed it for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, here's the thing. I don't, there are elements of this movie that have not aged well. Uh, in, in, yeah, the, it's been a long, what, six years, whatever it was. Uh, this came out in 2012. It's been almost a decade. It's been, almost a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Eight years. So, um, it has been a long decade. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think this movie works as a fun piece of genre pulp, right? Yeah. It works as a as a fun action who you know, uh kind of um not who done it, but uh uh like, you know, kind of cons- light conspiracy political thriller before the word conspiracy was just like completely ruined by QAnon and and that bullshit. But right, right, it doesn't go that deep into that. Yeah, it's I pretty well contained char- to just these characters. I <laughs> think the character of Jack Reacher is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, uh, in almost every conceivable way. But you know, Tom Cruise is for what for whatever kind of weirdo you'll say Tom Cruise is, he just he can make something like this work that other actors you you know i believe him as the guy who is the most prepared of everyone in the room you know what i mean Mm -hmm. uh and this character he left the military he was a a military investigator and now he's just a fucking drifter uh who who like i guess travels from town to town and solves mysteries like fucking scooby-doo so right he's like wolverine meets batman Yes, but but tried to be, you know, in a grounded like airport paperback fiction kind of way. He he is yeah. sort of like the silliest version of like the Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy protagonist, right? Like you're yeah. meant to believe he's a spy, that he's like a real person, um, but it, it, to the point where his expertise is borderline superhuman. Right. So sure. Uh, if if we're going to buy that conceit, and again, I think Tom Cruise does a fine job selling it. Mm-hmm. I think what works in this movie is, is uh, I, you know, I think uh, Christopher McQuarrie is a great action director. Yeah. Uh, I think he does enough work with a decent enough script to make this not be just total B-movie you know, like it, it holds short of uh, delving into the realm of being like a Steven Seagal, you know, 80s action flick. Right. right. You could take this exact same screenplay and cut the budget in half and have it be a Seagal or have it be like exactly, uh, you know, uh, somebody of lesser quality, whatever. It, it, um, it could be straight Patriot porn. Right. Or, it, you know, or yeah, one of those Tom Selleck direct to DVD things. Exactly. Like, it could be that. Um, and I imagine the, you know, cause Jack Reacher is based off of a book series. I imagine the books might read a little closer to that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know. I have never read them. I'm, I'm not familiar with the character outside of. I don't think this movie reads far out of that. No, I, I agree. But I think what I'm saying is the direction is good enough mm-hmm. uh, that it elevates it a little bit. Like it, it elevates it because the action scenes are so well choreographed. They're so well plotted. The mm-hmm. The story does just enough to give you enough about the character. Rosamund Pike, you know, is doing a lot of work to sort of ground this. Right. Um, uh, just the way it sort of frames certain scenes, kind of the background we get on these victims uh, is, is an interesting approach to this kind of material, uh, just in ways that make it stand out from just dumb action testosterone. Yeah, I, I think the movie works um, in spite of itself for a number of reasons. And I I, I think, yeah, Christopher, Christopher McQuarrie is a really good action director. And I think he, he, I think he, yeah, he knows how to stage a set piece and he knows how to pace one. Yeah, um, I, I mean, like the there's a chase scene, an extended chase scene that is really chasing. good. Yeah. It's really well done. Yeah, it's it's really, really well done. And that's why I mean, like, I think a lot of this was like his almost like a way of a reminding people he's a thing because <laughs> it had been a while since he'd done a full a feature length film mm-hmm. and and to show that he can do a confident action film. Yeah. And so I think he kind of found this scrappy little B movie screenplay exactly. and then just like gave it uh, a lot of big movie treatment. Well, yes, the the way the stages are seen, plus uh, you add the caliber that someone like Tom Cruise is going to bring to this. Sure. And that probably helps like Richard Jenkins and Rosamund Pike are going to bring to it. The fucking Warner Herzog. Right. Yeah. And and probably to date, the best Jai Courtney performance I've ever seen, which is saying something. I liked him in Suicide Squad, but yes, he's really good in this. He's um, well, that yeah, and that's what I mean. I think and a great exactly little this, uh, a great little cameo by uh, uh, Duvall. Yeah, exactly. I think what you said is exactly hits the nail on the head. It was just like this B movie action script, uh, you know, developed from paperback thriller fiction, mm-hmm. you know, very pulpy source material that had enough time and attention put into it mm-hmm. that, it, that it elevates it more than what it needed to be. And, and I yeah. agree. It feels like an audition piece almost. It feels like, yeah, give me the next mission impossible. Because- <laughs> give me the next three, which is what they've done. And I, I, I'm kind of feel two ways about that because I do think he's good at them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also kind of liked the mission impossible project in that every director kind of came in and did their own thing with it. He's um, only done two though, right? Well, he's done two so far. He's set to do the next one though. Oh, that's right. There. So at that point, I mean, at this point, he's like the guy. Yeah. Which whatever, that's fine. But, but yeah, I, I mean, so yeah, I think the, the action is done really, really well here and has an impact and a kind of visceral quality to it that it makes it doesn't, it doesn't just feel like, big explosion time it actually they're they're well paced you know where everybody is you know sort of what the stakes are in every action scene and uh that's important i the cast is is pretty good better than a cast for this type of movie should be 
totally. And I think the other thing is that it, it is it breathes. Uh, it's really yes. easy for a movie like this or any action movie made, you know, since 2008 uh, to just kind of go from action scene to action scene or just to, to kind of build momentum on momentum on momentum. And then you never really learn anything about the characters or really. But, yeah, I think this movie there's a lot of sequences of the mystery element of the movie, yeah, which it, them it kind gives of, a shit about what the actual story is. Well, that I don't know, but, but I think it, 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 it <laughs> it's interested in the, uh, the genre elements of, of kind of a, a pulp noir uh, mystery. And I think that it, it pays that off too. Yeah. Um, what I, what I, why I kind of disagree about, story is um i sat and thought about it for a while i don't know if this movie is about a damn thing <laughs> well okay fair enough fair like, enough. I, I can't that... tell you like what the greater themes or the characters like you know what are what is he saying i, I about mean ultimately or... this movie is about how fucking badass jack reacher is and and like right that is literally kind of what it all devolves into is this guy yeah. is so fucking cool, bro. <laughs> I mean, you could say some things like if you wanted to, you could say some say some things about like post-traumatic stress disorder, like coming out of the military and like what like people coming back home and blah, 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 like post 9-11, no. like, uh, paranoia. But it doesn't really do any of that. It's really just it's just a, a, a decent mystery and a great action film. Um I do think that the Jack Reacher character is a little overly. Well, he's a male Mary Sue. Yes. I, I was trying to figure out a different way of saying that, but that's exactly what he is. He's too good at everything. Exactly. Like he needs some flaws. He needs some. I would have liked uh, to seen him at some point fuck up or like accidentally get somebody killed. I mean, it, technically there is one character that dies, but it's not really his fault. Yeah, um, it, it is a, a sort of, yeah, it, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I would have liked to seen him make a mistake at some point that led to some yeah, sort of like, consequence. There's a scene where he's like investigating this like meth house. Right. And I thought like the scene kind of starts with him and I'm like, oh, OK, he's going to kind of get the shit kicked out of him. And I think that scene should have gone that way. I think right. I think we should have seen a little bit of uh, Jack Reacher blood, like, you know, show he's fallible um, because it's literally like almost to the point of precognition. Like every yeah. scene is kind of him walking into a room and he's like, OK, so this is how this is going to play out. I'm right. going to kill you and then you're <laughs> going to fucking die. And then. <laughs> You know, it's just like he walks in, says what exactly is going to happen, and then it happens. Yeah, which there there is kind of a like a cool quality to that, but I think I think they play that card a little too much, and and I would have just even once or twice seen him make a mistake. Yes, I you kind of get that almost when he you almost get that when he like is on the run like during that chase scene. But then there's like a twist and it turns out he was actually right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it always kind of works out or whatever. Yeah. And, and I agree with you completely. I I think this is a fun action movie uh, with a pretty shallow character. Um, but, but I think it's a solid action flick. Like, I, you know, yeah. 
I, I think you could do worse than turning this on. Uh, you can certainly do worse than turning this on if you just want like a little testosterone boost. Yeah, it it's fun. It's fun. And, like and a, it knows exactly what it is. It knows uh, it knows that it's what it's got to do to be fun. What what beats it's got to play. You know, it knows it knows it's just kind of this silly yeah. little action flick. It's kind of more of a ride than a story, but I sure. enjoyed it regardless. I, I I thought I thought that it was it's there's enough craft behind it um, technically and with you know the cast that they got even though they're all kind of playing pretty they're, they're playing pretty stereotypes stock, but yeah but if, if you're gonna stuff. get us if you're gonna get a mustache twirling villain give me fucking Warner Herzog because I believe his threats right more than some other guy you know what i mean like threatening to make people chew their own fingers off yeah hell yeah (laughs) for sure yeah and there's a lot of like great little touches like that throughout the movie that kind of give the movie um more personality than this type of thing usually gets sure yeah i i liked next episode for the uh streaming homework we are going to be talking about the film midnight run uh, which came out in 1988. I don't really know that much about it. I know, you know, it was a big deal at the time and it was a movie, the title I've always heard and it just have never, I've never seen it. It's a list of shame kind of thing. So we're going to watch that. And if anybody has anything to say about any of the reviews or segments we did on this episode or past, you can reach us at mcguffinpod at gmail.com um you can also find us on social media at mcguffinpod on twitter and instagram you can follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash mcguffinpod uh you can follow me individually on twitter and instagram at bc cassidy and you can read the reviews that i do for the idaho state journal by googling idaho state journal movie reviews that'll pull up the review archives uh, be sure to look up the other reviews and articles by the MacGuffin staff over at MacGuff.in, where their review archives are. Um, and uh, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a one-sentence review over at whichever podcaster you use to listen to us, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever it may be. And what is your stuff? You can follow me on Twitter at Keith Foster Kid, and you can follow me on Instagram at Keith Foster Kid and at Sticky Note Aesthetic. Yes. A boof. Bye. <laughs>